Hello, and welcome to the teaching ministry of Impact Family Church. For more information, including service times and directions, or to find out more about us, you can visit our website at www.impactfamilychurch.com. We trust you'll be blessed by today's message. Praise the Lord. Open with me today again in your Bible to the uh, passages we've been using in the past. And uh, let's, first of all, we've looked at different ones, but let's go to Romans chapter uh, 8 first. Romans chapter 8. Hallelujah. Verse 14 says, For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. So that's telling us that children of God have a unique way of being led of the Lord, and he leads us by his Spirit. And so uh, if you drop on down and skip, skip a couple of verses, go down to verse number 16, it says the spirit himself bears witness with our spirit. This is how the spirit leads us, by bearing witness with our spirit. And so if you haven't been here in the pre- uh, previous lessons on Sundays where we've taught on this, you won't get as much out of this today, but you'll, you'll still get a lot out of it if you'll pay attention, amen. But it'd be better if you'd go back and listen to the CDs, they're available and you can buy them in the bookstore, order the CD or you can just order the download and uh, the next day, Monday or Tuesday, it'll be sent right to you in a link and you can download it uh, onto your computer and you can listen there, you can make a, burn a CD or put it in an MP3 player, whatever you wanna do with it, but you can feed on the word of God. So get the previous sessions, if you weren't here, it'll help you and enlighten you, amen? And so we, and we've taught and, and, and looked at the important truth And that is that God does not lead his children through the circumstances of this world. And that's the most common misconception that people have about how God leads his children, how to discern the will of God. People are almost... Almost universally, you find this, you know, in people who are, are dedicated Christians and, and those who hardly ever go to church, but they, you know, they generally believe in God. Uh, most people think that whatever has happened to them around them, that those are indications of God's will. A certain thing happens and so they take that to mean, well, God must be directing me to go in that direction. That's not how God leads his children. I mean, any, even an unsaved person could follow that. Amen. But as as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. All those who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. So, So God leads his own children by his Spirit, and he does that by the inward witness. He bears witness on the inside of you. See, he's not... We know in one sense that God is omnipresent. We know that God is everywhere. The psalmist said, if I go into heaven, there you are. If I go into hell, there you are. If I go into the depth of the sea, I can't, everywhere I turn, there you are. Well, in one sense, God is everywhere. But in a unique sense and in a special sense and in, a, in an especially profound sense, he is in you. If you're born again, the Holy Spirit lives in you and he's in you in a degree that he's not beside you. Now understand, he is everywhere, but he's especially in you. I mean, as far as you're concerned, as far as your relationship with him, as far as his dealing with you, he's not out here somewhere moving, shaking the bushes, trying to get your attention. He's on the inside of you, tugging in your spirit, getting your attention. Amen? 
So God leads not through the circumstance. If you look at circumstances around you, you'll miss the will of God every time, virtually every time. I said virtually because, because you could stumble up and get it right, but it wouldn't be because it was the circumstance. Amen. If you follow the circumstances, things that happen to you, why is that, why is that unreliable? Because we understand the Bible says that, there, that the God of this world, that's little g, the, the, the Bible says the God of this world operates in this world. Who is that? That's the devil. He, there, there is a real devil. There is a real, Satan is a real person. Evil spirits are real. They operate and even though they're spirits, they, they influence things in the natural world. And so things happen, uh, you know, to Christians a lot of times and, and God's not involved in it at all. And yet he gets the blame for it. Something bad happens, you know, some tragedy, you know, uh, in someone Christian's life. People say, well, you know, God moves in mysterious ways. We don't always understand his ways, but we just have to trust him that he knows best. Inferring, you know, that he had some mystical, uh, unknown, high reason for allowing this to happen in your life. No, 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 no. You'll miss God. You'll miss God. You'll miss God. Almost every time. Amen. No, he reveals his will in our spirit. So we covered that. Amen. And again, you could go back and get the CDs and, and they'll help you. Then we also looked in, in Romans chapter 12 at this passage. Turn over to Romans chapter 12. We're talking about discerning the Lord's will in your life. In this passage, this is one of the foundational scriptures we've been using in this study. We'll start in verse 1. Says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world. You know, you could just stop right there and just, just preach on that and just exhort. Do not, he said, do not be conformed to this world. Don't act like this world. Don't think like this world. Don't follow the, the principles upon which this world is, uh, are, are established. Don't follow those things. He said, do not be conformed to this world. There, there's an implication that the world it will, is constantly trying to shape you. How many of you believe that's true? The world constantly, when I say the world, I'm not talking about the physical planet. I'm talking about the social uh, uh, atmosphere of this world, the social order of this world, the ways of the natural uh, mind and, 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 and natural thinking and carnal thinking. The, the ungodly element in this world is constantly trying to shape you. It's constantly trying to, to squeeze you into its mold so that you'll do and think and act like the world. He said, don't give in to it. Do not let the world, one translation, in fact, I think it's the Weiss translation, actually reads that way. It says, don't let the world squeeze you into its mold. That's where I got that idea from, from the Weiss translation. He says, do not be conformed to this world, but instead be transformed. Now, now, who's he writing to? This is Romans chapter 12. Who did he write this epistle to? Christians to the church. He didn't write this epistle to unsaved people. He wrote this to Christians, 
to the church. And he said, Christians need to be transformed. Now, I thought I was already transformed. I thought that's why I was transformed and I became a Christian. Yeah, on the inside. See, the new birth is the rebirth of your spirit. On the inside, the spirit man, not the soul, the spirit of man is reborn. Now, see, it's been a common uh, misunderstanding for, for many, many generations, hundreds of years, that, uh, that it's, it's the soul of man that gets born again. In fact, most people only have a concept of two parts, you know, the soul and the body. And, and, and there's a scripture in 2 Corinthians chapter uh, 4, talks about the inward man and the outward man. Let, let's turn to it and look at it. If he, uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 4. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Verse 16. Therefore we do not lose heart. Even though our outward man is perishing, yet the inward man is being renewed day by day. There's an outward man and there's an inward man. Well, the outward man's easily easy to discern. <laughs> Said the outward man is... is what, how did he say? The outward man is perishing. The outward man, other translations say, is, is growing older and decaying. You just look around, you can see that. Don't look up here, but look somewhere else. You can see that going on. <laughs> Amen. Hallelujah. But he said, even though the outward man is perishing, yet the inward man is renewed day by day. You know, on the inside, you're not getting any older. Hallelujah. Isn't that good news? Praise God. Well, see, most people think the inward man's talking about the soul because they only have a concept of, of, of two parts, body and soul. But, and, and I, I'm gonna give you these references, but we don't have time to turn to them. In First Thessalonians chapter five, it, it talks about, or, or, or I think it's verse 23, talks about the spirit, the soul, and body. I, I desire your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless under the coming of the Lord. So you see, there's really three parts. And see, people have had a correct understanding of the, of the uh, occurrence of the new birth. They understand that when a person's born again, they put their faith in the Lord Jesus and they're changed. They become a new person. They're born again. They're now a Christian. But, but what they've misunderstood is they thought that was the soul that's reborn. It's actually the spirit. And so what you thought about the, about the soul, what happens to your soul, that's exactly what happens to your spirit. You've understood the transaction, right? Just had the wrong term. And you see, it's, it's not about semantics, though. It's not just about having your terminology, right? There's a reason why you need to understand the difference. The reason you need to understand the difference is because it's the spirit of man that's born again. Notice he said the outward man and the inward man. You see that in this verse? There's an outward man and an inward man. Go, go to 1 Peter. 1 Peter. And look at the third chapter of 1 Peter. He's talking here to wives. And he said, uh, do not let your adornment, verse 3 says, do not let your adornment be merely outward. Notice the word outward. Remember, we're talking about the outward man and the inward man. Don't let your adornment be merely outward, arranging the hair, wearing gold, or putting on a fine apparel. Rather, let it be the hidden person of the heart 
in, with the incorruptible beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit. Notice the hidden person of the heart. Over in 2 Corinthians, it said there's an outward man and an inward man. This is talking about the inward man or the inward person, the real you. Here, it says, don't, don't let all your attention be on the outward man. There's nothing wrong with, with wearing gold. There's nothing wrong with fixing your hair. And it's wrong not to do something with yourself. Amen. <laughs> Glory to God. There's nothing wrong with wearing nice clothes. He said, just don't let that be the thing that you focus on. Instead, let it be the hidden person of the heart, the hidden man of the heart with the incorruptible beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit. Notice the inward man is the spirit. The inward man is the spirit of man. Amen. Glory to God. Now turn with me over to the book of Romans and go to the first chapter of Romans. Romans chapter one. Hallelujah. Romans chapter one, verse nine. Is everybody there? If you're there, quit rattling your pages. I think some of you are just going. Verse nine says, for God is my witness whom I serve with my spirit. Now remember in, in John's gospel, in uh, the third chapter, when Jesus was talking about the new birth, remember uh, he was talking to Nicodemus about famous verse, famous passage about the new birth. He said, that which is born of the spirit, that's the Holy Spirit, is spirit. Not that which is born of the spirit is soul, that which is born in the spirit is spirit. See, God is a spirit. Amen. And so the new birth, and you're a spirit. That's the inward man, the hidden man of the heart. I, I pray that your whole spirit, soul, and body, you are a spirit, you have a soul, and, you, and your spirit and soul live in your body. You can lose your soul. See, the, the soul of man is his that invisible part of you, that uh, your mind, your will, your emotions, those things that, that are in the uh, psychological realm. In fact, the word soul comes from the Greek word. It's, it's spelled P-S-U-C-H-E. And it's, it is the word that we get the English uh, derivatives of psychic or psychology, all of those uh, words that are built off of that root. That's the soul of man. And your will and your, the right to choose, the freedom of choice is part of your soul. Well, a person who denies God and goes out, out into, the eternity, into eternity and is lost, he's lost his soul. He's lost his right to choose. He never gets another choice. He never gets another opportunity. It's what we do now that's important. So that's the soul of man. Uh, this passage in Romans says, God is my witness whom I serve with my spirit. Go over to the second chapter and look at the, uh, the last verse, the next to the last verse and the last verse, verse 28 and verse 29. For he is not a Jew who is one outwardly. And, and remember, we, we've, we've looked at two scriptures that talked about the outward man. He said, he is not a Jew who is one outwardly, nor is circumcision that which is outward in the flesh. Notice the, the outward man is talking about the flesh man. But he is a Jew, verse 29 says, who is one inwardly. So this again is talking about the inward man. He is a Jew who is one inwardly and circumcision is that of the heart in the spirit. Now that word spirit is capitalized in, in a lot of Bibles. It should not have been. 
It's, it's not talking about the Holy Spirit. It's talking about the, the spirit, your own spirit. You say, well, what, have, what right do you have, Pastor, changing the Bible? I'm not changing the Bible. See, in the, in the original Greek language, no letters are capitalized. The Bible was written originally, first time it was penned, the first time these apostles penned these things, it was penned in Greek. And then it's been translated into languages all over the world. And in the Greek language, there are no capital letters. There, there, there's not different, there's not an uppercase and a lowercase in the Greek text. That's not the, see, capitalization in most languages is a, is a rule of grammar of that language. Like in English, our, our gra- grammatical laws and rules say that proper names are capitalized. The beginning of a sentence is capitalized. Uh, uh, positions and titles are capitalized and so forth. Isn't that right? Well, that's a, that's a rule we have in English and it's common in a lot of other languages. They didn't have that rule in the Greek. They, they didn't capitalize anything. So the translators then, all of the capitalization, the beginning of sentences and, and different things, beginning of verses, you know, often are capitalized. Uh, that's all the, 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 the part of the tr- translators, the English translators, applying the raw laws of English grammar to the text. But in the, in the place where the Spirit's concerned, they miss it very often because they think it's talking about the Holy Spirit. And in fact, the word, you see the word the in verse, in verse 29, circumcision is that of the heart in the spirit. The word the is not even present in the original text. It reads, circumcision is that of the heart in spirit. So it's talking about the spirit of man. That, that's where the change takes place. It's in the spirit of man. It's in your heart, in your spirit. The heart of man talks about the very center, the core of your being. That's your spirit. Well, that's where the Holy Spirit lives. He's in your spirit. That's where he'll guide you. But now our text, and go on over with me to Romans uh, uh, 12 again. Romans 12, our text says, do not be conformed to this world. Verse number two, Romans 12, two. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed. Hey, you Christians, those of you who have already been born again, your spirit has become a new person in Christ. You, you're, you're, you're genuinely born of God. You're a child of God. You're going to heaven. You belong to Jesus. Your sins have been washed away. You're a new person in Christ. He said, now you need to be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Well, your mind is part of your soul. It's the renewing of your mind. Now, why do you need that? That you may prove or discern what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God. See, God leads you from your spirit. I, I wanted to deal with that first of all because that's, that's, the, that's the, tech, uh, the technical, uh, practical side of how the Lord d- deals with us. He leads us out of, by our spirits. But uh, overshadowing that and the foundation for that is this principle of having your mind renewed with the word of God. What does that mean? It means getting your thinking straightened out. You're stinking thinking like somebody said. Just because you got born again, your thinking didn't straighten out. Amen. I, I, know, I know for a fact that it didn't. And, and when I got born again, I still had some crazy ideas. I, I mean, even after as, as a young man and I, and I got back into fellowship with the Lord. I mean, I, I surrendered again my life to the Lord and, uh, and really loved the Lord. I mean, there, there was a, all the difference in my life, except there were areas of my thinking that I was still, I was still mixed up. 
And the word of God is given to us to straighten out our thinking, to get our thinking lined up with his thinking. Now notice he told these Christians they needed to do something with their bodies and they needed to do something with their minds. God's not gonna do it for you. If you won't won't discipline your body and and tell your body you're not gonna just do whatever you wanna do, you know, you'll just be a carnal Christian all of your life. And you'll not glorify God. You'll not bring honor to the Lord. In, in fact, if you, if you let your body just do anything you want to, you'll bring shame and disgrace to the Lord by not governing your body. Well, you have to do something with your mind. And if you won't govern your mind, your thinking will be all mi- mixed up and, you'll, and you won't follow. You will not detect God ministering to your spirit. You won't pick up what he's saying in your spirit if your thinking is all wrong. You won't recognize his voice. I I used this illustration for just a a, a moment at the end of of last Sunday. I said, how many of you have have ever talked to a doctor and you couldn't figure out what he was saying to you? Don't look so innocent. Now, a good doctor, you know, he'll, he'll, he'll try to put what he's telling you in layman's terms so that you'll understand what he's talking about. And, uh, and, and sometimes they think they're doing it and they're not. And they're, and they're giving, and they just drop these little terms. And, you, and, and most people have a, a, a hesitance to ask their doctor, well, what do you mean? They, they say, well, if I ask a question, it'll, it'll look like I'm stupid. No, you know, it, it just, you're just not familiar with the terminology. Robert Butler, how many times have you explained the well at my house and that, that what's in the ground? Hey, do you remember how many, do you have any idea how many times you've explained that to me? Several times. I still don't get it. I, he has explained what is in the ground. He's, he's told me, it, pastor, it's like this, this is this and that. And I, I, I have no idea what he's talking about. Well, I'm not stupid. It's just, I've never pulled one of those out of the ground. I don't, I've never had, I've never been to the well lab. And so I don't know what he's talking about. Well, you know, everybody, I think it was Albert Einstein is the person said, everybody's ignorant just about different things. But you know, that doctors talk, they have a certain language. And if you get two of them together, if you have two doctors together and they're discussing, you know, a case that's, that's presented, there's a phrase they like to use, a term, it presents this way. Thought, what are you talking about? What presents? They, they use certain terminology. We have a lot of, of medical people here in our, in our congregation. And there's certain medical terminologies that when healthcare professionals together, they talk in this, in this uh, language that the rest of us, we don't understand the language. Well, God speaks in a particular language. When he speaks in your heart, when the Holy Spirit speaks something to you, he speaks the language of the word. Now, I'm not just talking about terminology. When it, in the medical example I just gave, it's, it's certain terms that they learn, medical terminology. But it, it's not really a different language, it's different terms. But I'm not talking about terminology so much as God speaks in line with his word. And if you don't know his word, it's difficult for God to get things across to you. Go with me to Hebrews, the fifth chapter. Hebrews chapter five. 
In Hebrews chapter five, we won't read everything here. I'll just give you the, the gist of this because I just want to get to one verse. He's talking here about our high priest, the Lord Jesus, and how Jesus was a high priest according to the order of Melchizedek. Melchizedek was a priest that appeared in the book of Genesis. So he's saying that the Lord Jesus is a high priest according to the order of Melchizedek. Notice verse 11, 11. Of whom we have much to say. Remember when Jesus made the statement to his disciples, he said, I have yet many things to say to you, but you can't bear them yet. Well, I made the point in an earlier lesson, he still has many things to say to us that we haven't gotten yet. Now, we can bear it. The disciples could not bear it. They could not understand it because they didn't have the Holy Spirit in them. And he said, however, when the Spirit is come, he'll teach you these things. Well, now we have the Spirit so we can understand the things of the Lord. But notice here what this said. Of whom we have much to say. The writer is saying to, to, this, to this group of Christians, I have, he's talking by the Spirit, speaking by the Spirit, I have much to say to you along this line of the Lord Jesus and, and, and Melchizedek and their relationship. Of whom we have much to say and hard to explain since you have become dull of hearing. It's hard for Robert to explain that to me because I'm dull of hearing when it comes to what he's talking about. I don't get it. I've not been initiated into that trade. I don't get it. I'm dull of hearing and it's hard for him to explain it to me. If you, the unrenewed mind will limit how much you can discern of what God's saying to you. It'll be hard. It's not because it's hard for God to explain. Robert knows what he's talking about. I'm sure he's explaining it right. God, it's, it's hard to explain. On our, it's on our end where the trouble is. Again, if your mind is not renewed according to the word of God, you'll think all kinds of things and misinterpret it what the Lord's saying. Go with me over to uh, the book of Isaiah, the 55th chapter of Isaiah. Just like doctors speak the language of medicine, God speaks the language of his word and it is the doctor's responsibility to put it in a language I can understand. It's not God's responsibility to put what he's saying to me in the language of the flesh. It's not God's responsibility, nor will he put what he has to say in, in uh, the language of the flesh or in the language of mixed up thoughts. God is going to speak his language and it's, it's our wonderful, gracious and blessed privilege to know his language. This is where we find it right here. This is what, this is the language God talks in. I'm not talking about Elizabethan English. I'm talking about the truths of this word. Amen. Now, Isaiah 55, verse eight says, for my thoughts are not your thoughts. How many of you have figured that out before? For my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are your ways my ways, says the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. 
the your ways and thoughts that he's talking about are the thoughts and ways of the world. He's saying my thoughts are not the natural thoughts. They're not the thoughts of the natural man. My ways are not the ways of the natural man. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than natural ways. My thoughts are higher than natural thoughts. Now notice, for as the rain comes down and the snow from heaven and does not return there, but water the earth and make it bring forth in bud that it may give seed to the sower and bread, for, and bread to the eater, so shall my word be that goes forth from my mouth. See, his thoughts and his words and his, or his ways, rather, his thoughts and his ways come down from heaven through his word. It's, it's, God, it's God's word that reveals his thoughts and his ways. And see, renewing of your, the renewing of your mind is the process of flushing out the thoughts and the ways of this world and replacing them with the thoughts and the ways of God. Now notice it says thoughts and ways. He says, my, my thoughts are higher than yours and my ways are higher than yours. God has certain thoughts and he has certain ways. God has certain ways he does things and certain ways he doesn't do things. See, people a lot of times will say, well, you know, uh, the Lord, the Lord is, is allowing me to go through this sickness. He's put this thing on me to teach me something. They don't understand the Lord's ways or his thoughts. It's just not his ways. That's not, that's not how he operates. That's not how he operates. He doesn't do that. If you misunderstand God's ways then it's hard for the Holy Spirit to communicate to you if, if, because you're so entrenched in wrong thinking. If a person has been taught religiously all of his life, he's heard it through sermons, he's heard it through anecdotal you know, uh, all, stories all around him, people tell him this and the different people give their testimony, God puts me through things. If you hear that all of your life, it's very difficult for the Holy Spirit to get through to you about your sickness. Now, I'm not saying that the Holy Spirit can't speak to you and, and bring you revelation that you didn't know. He certainly can. But it, he only does that in a, in a person's life whose their, their thoughts and, their, and, their, and, and their, their thinking has lined up with God and they've, they've educated their spirit and their mind in the word of God. Then he can bring revelation that you don't know. But a person that's entrenched in wrong thinking, they don't pick up what God's. In fact, they think that they're being led of the Lord. They think the Lord's leading them to just enjoy this sickness. Just, you know, uh, just glory in it and be proud of it or whatever the test or trial is. Well, what's happened? The Holy Spirit's trying to lead them, lead them in a different direction, but their thoughts are, are so messed up and they don't understand God's thoughts or his ways. Amen. Uh, turn to, uh, well, we won't go there. Uh, there are some things that will affect how well you discern God's will. There's some things about, we, we've talked about the technical end, you know, that he's, he leads us by speaking to our spirit. But in order for that to be effective, 
Our minds have to be renewed with the word. That's, that's, that's something that affects your ability to hear from God. There are other things that affect your ability to hear from God. One is consecration. Your consecration to God will affect how, how much you can hear him. You know, you know, consecration isn't a once in a lifetime event or a once in a lifetime uh, uh, pursuit. We have to be daily consecrated to the Lord. Let me ask you this, put it like this. When, when was the last time you actually sought God and his plan for your life? When was the last time you gave any real serious thought to God, what do you want from me? What do you want? What is my life supposed to be? When's the last time you've done that? See, we do that a lot of times when we begin our walk with the Lord or if we're uh, contemplating some particular, you know, seismic change in our, in our life. But what about daily? Our, our life, the Lord wants to do things with us. And sometimes we're led of the Lord to go a certain direction and then we never seek him again. Well, you know, God, God led me to go to school and I believe he's leading me to be a teacher. That's, I prayed about it and, that's, and I feel like that's what I should study. I'm gonna be a teacher. And then you become a teacher and you never ask him again. Well, you know, it's not that God changes his mind, but he might have some further direction down the road for you as a teacher. What, what does he want to accomplish in your life? Did he lead you to become a teacher just for the sake of imparting natural understanding to students in a classroom? Did he, did he lead you to become a school teacher just to, to keep order <laughs> in a classroom? Is, well, see, my point is, again, when is the last time you really asked God, really, really sought God? What do, you, what do you want from me? Is my life pleasing to you? So consecration, if you're not consecrated to God, you won't hear real clearly. Uh, another thing, you know, is... Uh, People's priorities, your, your priorities in life will determine uh, to, a, to a large measure how much God can reveal to you. See, Jesus said, seek first the kingdom of God. That, that, that means the things of God. Seek God first. Seek his ways. See, people get their lives so messed up because they are... they they. Come to Christ, surrender their, their lives to him. They want him to be the Lord of their life and they're born again. And then they go, they begin to, to map out their life. They begin to go through life. And it's real easy for earthly ambition, different kinds of ambition to enter in. And, and you can become so involved with fleshly, fleshly ambitions can become so strong in your life that you will begin to assign to that fleshly ambition, that's God's leading. I, I know in raising children, <clears throat> a lot of times parents have earthly ambition for their children even more than they do uh, spiritual ambition for them. Because we all want our children to do well. Yeah, but what's God's best? I remember 
I was thinking about this. I, I remember when our oldest son, Steve, uh, he did really well in school and he was very smart. He's a very smart man. He's, a, he's really an, an, an intellectual. And when he was in school, uh, in the, at the end of the 11th grade, we got a, a, an invitation. He received an invitation to spend that summer at Harvard University for some kind of, I don't know, he just got chosen. I'm sure there were others, a lot of others. But he had the opportunity to go to Harvard and study for six weeks in between his junior and senior year. Now, he hadn't even applied to college yet. He applied to college in his senior year. And, uh, you know, that's a pretty, that, you know, Harvard University is one of the most prestigious universities in the whole world. And, you know, I, I thought, at, at first I thought just on the, on, the, on the basic level, how cool would that be to put that on your college application? By the way, I studied at Harvard last summer. I mean, that's got to give you a leg up, wouldn't you think? And then I thought, you know, if he does well at Harvard this summer, you know, he'll meet the right people, make the right connections. Because you've got to be really the cream of the crop get into, you know, these Ivy League schools. Everybody, you know, that's why they don't have uh, academic scholarships to Harvard. Because everybody would apply. I mean, everybody would qualify. Because only the, everybody there is brilliant, right? So you've got to do something to get in. I'm thinking... You know, if, if this could be a ticket, he could go to Harvard in the summer. If he does well, meets the right people, he could apply next year. I don't know how I'd pay for this, but that's beside the point. Uh, he'd go to Harvard. You know, if you, if you graduate from, he wanted to go into computers. I think, you know, you get your undergraduate degree from Harvard, then you go to MIT. Whew. I mean, people that follow that track generally uh, have advantage extreme advantage, advantages in, in the job uh, market. And I got to thinking about that. How cool will that be? What an honor that would be. And uh, we were really seriously considering this. <clears throat> and, and the Lord reminded me <clears throat> just uh, earlier that year, I think it was in his junior year, Steve had, uh, he stood up and testified once in church that I didn't know any of this was going on that uh, the Lord had kind of straightened him out because he, he had started going down the wrong road. And he was, you know, just not doing what he was supposed to do. And, and he, he, in a time of, of refreshing in the church, he got all that sorted out. And he got up and he gave a te gave a testimony that, you know, I don't need this stuff in my life. I've, you know, I know which way I'm supposed to go now. I'm following God. The Lord reminded me of that. He said, that's only been a few months ago. Now, you, you, would you be willing to send your child 16 years old, to Harvard, 15, I, I think he was at the time, to go to Harvard, you know, which is not exactly the spiritual, the best spiritual environment. You know, Harvard was, was originally uh, founded as a training school for ministers. But it, it's now, uh, uh, you know, a, a, a cathedral of uh, liberal anti-God, modernism, progressivism, and, uh, and it was then, you know, this has been a few years ago. He said, now you're going to let your impressionable son go to Harvard and be <clears throat> submitted or, or exposed to all of these ideas that are contrary to what you've taught him. 
You won't be there. <clears throat> Excuse me. He won't have a good church. Is that really the smartest thing to do? The more I prayed about that, I realized, you know, spiritual things are more important than natural things. Spiritual things are more important than natural things. And God, I don't need that advantage. And Stephen doesn't need that advantage to have God's blessing in his life. It's, and I determined it wasn't worth it because I wanted God's best more than I wanted man's best. Amen. But you see, very often we get our emotions worked up about things. And I know I'm running over a few minutes, but I want to finish this. In, in 1978, I had an opportunity. I worked for the telephone company and I had an opportunity to go overseas and to do a particular work, a particular mission, a job to install. I ended up going to Taiwan, Republic of China, and I installed a telephone system in their new airport. But I had a choice of different places I could go. And, you know, it was such an honor to be chosen. I had to transfer out of my division into, into the international division for a period of time and to go overseas. And once you get into that, you know, it opens up a whole new world of, uh, of opportunity and, and recognition and different things. And uh, to, be, to be asked to do that was a real honor. And I had, it came down, it finally came down to two places. I could either go to Cairo or I could go to Taiwan. Well, back in the late seventies, there were a lot of uh, terrorist hijackings going on around the world, particularly in the Middle East. And I thought, well, Cairo was a kind of an unstable place. I don't want to get embroiled in that and involved in that. So I'll go to the safe place. I'll go to Taiwan. Well, no sooner had I got there, I'd been there about a week when Jimmy Carter broke off diplomatic relationships with Taiwan. And the whole nation was in an uproar and they had anti-American demonstrations all over the streets and they had a big gala right outside the hotel where I was staying. Well, see, I, before that happened, I got so wrapped up emotionally in the idea of, of getting into this new uh, arena of international uh, work. Something on the inside was nagging me the whole time. And, and I knew it, but I kept pursuing this and I kept talking to the company about it and they kept talking to me and, and, and I finally I agreed to do it. And when I left here, I knew I had made a big mistake when I got on that plane. And, and it wasn't just that. It wasn't just that, you know, there was all this turmoil. There was a lot of other things that happened. And I was over there a, a month and I was so out of the will of God. I took an entire suitcase an entire suitcase of cassette tapes. I was going to listen to cassette tapes. I'm going to be in my room. I won't have any distractions at night. And I'm just going to listen to the word. I'm going to feed on the word. I'm going to get so built up. I was under such oppression that month. I couldn't even listen to a cassette tape. You say, well, why? I don't know. I, there was just a demonic oppression on me. And I was so out of the will of God. And you know what, God, I, I just, I, I couldn't get through. I couldn't pray through. It was just like this cloud and there were things going on in the job that were way out of, of what I had uh, anticipated. Anyway, I made it out of that. God brought me home, praise God, safe. But I got into that because I allowed my emotions to lock onto that and I, and I tried to convince myself, this is the will of God for me. A person's priorities can, can really wreak havoc on your ability to hear from God. Well, praise the Lord. There are other things I want to say. I'm running out of time today. Hallelujah.
But there are a lot of things involved in hearing God. And yes, he does speak to you in your spirit, but your ability to discern that depends on a lot of things. Depends on the renewing of the mind. It depends, depends on dedication, consecration. Depends on having right priorities. It depends on being filled with the spirit. Luke chapter four. Then Jesus being filled with the spirit was led. Did you get that? Jesus being filled with the spirit was led of the spirit into the wilderness. There's connection, a connection between being filled with the spirit and being led with the spirit. I've heard people do say some of the most outrageous things and claim it's the will of God. Claim it's the will of God. And, and I knew that if you were, if that person had been filled with the spirit, they'd have never, they'd have never said what they said. They'd have never, they'd have never fallen for that. But when you're not filled with the spirit, you get filled with other things. Amen. Well, praise the Lord. I'll have to wait till next time. Glory to God. Well, did anybody get anything out of this today? Let's stand. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. <clears throat> praise God. Thank you, Lord. My voice is strong. Praise God. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. You know, God loves all of us. And he has a plan for all of us. God, not a general plan, a plan, a plan that's customed, custom tailored to you. There are some things God wants to do in your life and you only have one life to offer. You only have this time down here and time really gets away from you when you're not careful. You can spend many years doing the wrong things, going the wrong direction and accomplishing nothing eternal. And one day you stand before the Lord and what, what a shame it would be to one day, I'm talking even to Christians, one day to stand before the Lord and then realize you, didn't, you accomplished nothing or you accomplished only just a little bit of God's great grand plan for you. If you're, if you're unsaved or if you're a backslider and you're away from the Lord, God has so much for you. He, he has a plan for your life and he wants to unveil and unfold and reveal that to you. And, and that unfolding and that unveiling and revealing is, is, is something that happens over time. It's, God doesn't reveal everything at once. He just reveals what you need to know. God wants to take you down a path that's bigger and better and greater than anything you can imagine for yourself. God's plan for you is the best plan. And at the end of God's plan is that proverbial pot of gold that surpasses anything you can imagine you could ever accomplish in this life. If you don't know the Lord, or if you've known him, you, you know what it means to be saved, but you've fallen away from him. You, you need to surrender your heart today, not for his sake, but for your sake, for the sake of your future, for the sake of your destiny, for the sake of, of others. 
that you are supposed to influence in this life. God's plan for you is bigger than for you, than just you. It's bigger than just you. At Impact Family Church, it is our desire to see you blessed through the power of the Word of God. We have been helping people to change their world for over 25 years through our dynamic ministries and teaching. If you are going to be in the North Central Florida area and are interested in attending our services or just want more information about us, you can visit us online at www.impactfamilychurch.com.